Our scripture reading for this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Christians who live in Ephesus, the first chapter, these few verses. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and gave, it, gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So far the reading of God's word. A few years ago, uh, when Nancy and I were living in Texarkana, I received a phone call from an overly excited salesman. Uh, he said, hi, Mr. Homeowner. Uh, this is an urgent call to inform you that you've been pre-approved. You can refinance your house immediately at a reduced rate. You can lower your monthly payments. You can get cash in hand for your equity, and you can spend that money any way you want. Now, it sounded like a really great idea, and I might have actually considered it if not for one problem. The problem was I was living in the church-owned parsonage. I did not have a mortgage. The house did not belong to me. It belonged to the church. And the church didn't have a mortgage on the house. <clears throat> they had owned it outright for many, many years. You ever had a phone call like that? Something along those lines? Kind of like when you live in a brick house and somebody calls and wants to sell you siding. Makes you wonder if they actually do know who you are. You know, I always wondered how I was able to be pre-approved for a better interest rate when my name uh, was nowhere on the deed to that house and there was no mortgage to refinance. Now, I've also received big envelopes like these. You know, I started by saying, congratulations, you've been pre-approved. Uh, these big envelopes um, contain credit card offers that uh, tell me I've been pre-approved. <clears throat> they tell me about this wonderful credit card uh, that charges no annual fees and only 2.9% interest for six months and transferable balances and so on. And I would imagine that there's probably any number of people who open those things up and get themselves involved with way too many credit cards. Now, again, I've always kind of wondered about this pre-approval process. And I wonder how banks that I have never, ever done business with were getting so much detailed information about me that they could somehow approve me for a credit card in advance. But then I actually, on a couple of occasions, took a closer look at the wording on the brochures. I don't know if you've ever done this. Actually, what it says is this. You have been pre-approved to receive this special offer. And then there's a little itty-bitty asterisk, and it takes you down to writing that only an ant could read. And you go to the bottom of the page, and it says something like this. Subject to credit approval, income verification, employment history, and on and on. Well, the first time I read that, I began to look at these offers a little bit differently. I mean, how honored I was to be pre-approved to receive junk mail. 
I mean, how honored I was to be pre-approved to receive an offer that I might not even qualify for. It kind of takes the thrill out of being pre-approved because the word pre-approved in that context doesn't really have any meaning whatsoever. You know, but as I thought about this and as I thought about this upcoming message series, I realized that a whole lot of people think this is similar to how the gospel works. You know, the good news of Jesus. They think that everybody has somehow been pre-approved to get the offer, to hear the gospel, but the question uh, remains whether or not they have what it takes to get fully approved. Now, lest you think this is uncommon, i got to tell you that uh, in my time as a pastor, I've known believers and unbelievers alike who feel this way, they think this way. Uh, I've run into some non-believers in my life who are afraid to take the plunge into the Christian life. They kind of want to hold Jesus and the church out at arm's length. They do that because they don't think that they can somehow qualify. They don't believe that God could truly accept them. I'll give you an example. It happened to me not long ago. Immediately after church, a young lady came up and said, I brought a friend today to church. Would you talk to her after church? Would you pray with her? She doesn't know whether she believes in God. She doesn't think God loves her. She doesn't think God cares for her. And she does not think that God could possibly ever forgive her for what she's done. How would you like to have that conversation? It's right after a church service. And when that young girl told me what she'd been involved with, it's pretty bad. It's pretty serious. And she said, I'd really like to be loved. I'd really like to be forgiven, but I think I've gone too far. So there are people like that out there. But you know something? They're also believers. Uh, people who actually park in a pew on a Sunday morning. Uh, while they accept the fact that they have been saved, don't really believe that God could actually use them in his kingdom. And when they actually hear the Spirit kind of knocking at the door of their heart, they think, Oh, he couldn't possibly be talking to me. After all, while I'm a Christian, I'm not a really good Christian, and God only uses really good Christians. Well, today we're going to begin this four-week series called Approved. And for four weeks, we're going to take a look at the subject of how to live according to God's approval. How to deal with the approval or the disapproval that we receive from other people. And how to deal with whether or not you're able to give approval to yourself. Now, <clears throat> today we're going to be talking about the fact that you have been pre-approved already. You've been pre-approved by God, and you've been pre-approved to live a great life in Him. In other, way, in other words, you all are all qualified. This is not a case where you receive an offer in the mail, uh, where God says, I've got great plans for you, and then you respond and he says, uh, hold on, uh, second thought here, there's a little bit too much baggage in your past, so I must withdraw this abundant life blessing for the time being. That's not what this is going to be about. That's not how, I'll tell you, that, that's not how my God works. 
Do you ever have somebody tell you about your God, and you kind of looked at them and said, that's not the God I believe in. Actually, that's what I told the young girl last week. She says, I don't believe God could forgive the sin. I said, I'm sorry, that's not the God I believe in. That's not the God I talked about this morning. My God forgives all sin. And quite honestly, if you're worried whether or not God actually forgives your sins, you've not done the unforgivable sin. If you've done the unforgivable sin, you could care less whether God loved you or forgave. And it was kind of like, really? Yeah, really? See, we've been pre-approved by God. Not just to hear the offer, not just to read about the offer, but how to live it. Now, you're probably already wondering, what have you been pre-approved for? I mean, there's got to be a catch here somewhere. I mean, what kind of offer has God made available to every last one of us? Well, what I read to you was from Ephesians chapter 1. Paul talks about the kind of life that God has chosen in advance for his people, all of us, to live. And this morning what we're going to do is just look at three different things that God has designed for you to experience and for which you are already pre-qualified. In fact, you are qualified, which you can just literally reach out and take. Now, I read this passage of Scripture before, but it's always good to kind of take that and unwrap it a little bit. And we're going to see what it means or what God's pre-approval means to us. Now, here's the very first thing. It means that you have been approved to be irrevocably his. Now, if we look back at verse 5 in our text today, it says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, I've got to tell you something. There are a lot of people who zero in on one word in that Bible passage. And they want to debate what that word means, and they want to debate what that entails. But I'm going to tell you something, I'm not going to talk about it this morning. Anybody know what that one word is? Predestined. Maybe I'll talk about it some other time, but not today. It's a subject for another Bible class. I want to focus instead on another word here, and that word is adopted. Adopted. It is such a special word that Paul uses it to describe our relationship with God. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what adoption meant in the days of Jesus and Paul. Uh, adoption was a Roman custom. It was not a Jewish custom. It was a Roman custom. Uh, the word adoption you cannot even find in the Old Testament of our Bibles. But Paul introduces this word, adoption, in his writings because he knew that his audience, which had been a lot of Gentile people with a lot of Roman influence, that they would understand the significance of that simple little word, adopted. Now, many of you understand what adoption is all about. Maybe some of you were adopted. Maybe some of you um, have adopted children along the way. Uh, but Roman adoption uh, didn't always occur between parents, and babies. Sometimes for political reasons or for business reasons, the patriarch of the family, the father, would adopt an adult to be his son or his daughter, and that adoption was legally binding. That's a little bit different. I mean, how many of you would think about, I mean, would we think about going out and adopting a 54-year-old man? 
Now, for legal reasons, or perhaps for, for financial reasons, maybe you, you think about it, but probably not. Once that person adopted this adult person, that adoption was binding. Uh, that, that person who was adopted suddenly got a brand new identity. They also got a brand new name. Uh, his old obligations uh, were gone. Uh, his past debts were wiped out as he begins his life with a brand new family. And upon being adopted, that person became an immediate partaker in the family inheritance. Now, in our way of saying it, seeing it, we always say, you receive your inheritance when someone dies. But in the Roman world, a person received their inheritance when they were born, or when they were adopted into a family. That's why Paul would tell the Romans here in chapter 8, since we are his children, we are his heirs. Now, another thing about adoption back in these days is that this adoption, when you adopted these older children, it was permanent and it was irrevocable. Now, you could disown your own flesh. I mean, you had two or three look at you, you could just tell them to take a hike. You could just get rid of them. That's what Romans would sometimes do. But when you adopted somebody that was not your blood, there was no going back. It was once and for all. It was a permanent lifetime arrangement. Now, that's a lot of stuff to say to get around to saying this, that this is the relationship that God has chosen for you and for me. The Bible says he has adopted you, he's adopted me as his own. You are his child, I am his child, you are his son, you are his daughter. The life that you had before you ever became a follower of Jesus Christ, that is gone. It's over. We don't think about this very often, but let's, let's think about baptism for a moment. Now, I don't know very many pastors would ever actually say this out loud, but if you brought a little baby into church, whose baby is that? Well, according to the Bible, you are either a child of God or you are a child of Satan. Aha. So if you're not yet a child of God, whose baby is that? Yeah, but nobody's ever going to say that in a baptism service. Well, I see you brought the little child of Satan with you this morning. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. But essentially, that's kind of the way it is. And what happens is that when that child is baptized, what do we teach and believe, at least as Lutherans? We believe that through baptism, through the water and the word, God is able to create a spark of faith in that little heart that can now grow as we feed it. Okay? And so when that child is baptized, what do we say? You have now become a child of God. And what I, I've sometimes done when I baptize people, I, I said it this way. You brought this child here today and you thought it was yours. It's really not. Now through baptism, I skipped the child of Satan part. <laughs> but I say, but now through baptism, this is now God's child. And I am now going to give you God's child to take care of for him. That, by the way, changes your perspective, too, when you bring little ones to him to be baptized. To understand that these little ones who live in our house, who then grow to be a little bit older, these are not really yours. These are God's, and God has given them to you to be good stewards of. All I'm saying is, you know, we're adopted in this family. Our past is over and gone. Uh, to back that up, Paul says in Corinthians... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
and many of us, that happened through our baptisms. He or she is a new creation. The old, you know, our past is gone. The new has come. So, you've all been adopted. You've been adopted into the family of God, and all that is His is yours. Now, think about a moment what that all means. All that is His is yours. Now, if you just heard a cash register ring, you're missing the point. Because it's not about dollars and cents. In fact, it's a whole lot better than that. It's greater than that. As an heir in God's family, you have unlimited access to joy and peace and love and mercy and grace and forgiveness and power and victory and on and on and on. These are the riches of God's glory. That's what's promised here. These are the riches of God's glory, and they are yours to experience. But here's the second part of it. You've been approved to be blessed. You've been approved to be blessed. Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, it's not that God might want to bless you. It's not that God is going to get around to it someday. Paul says he has already done it. The blessings are yours. It's already deposited in your account. You just have to accept the fact that that's where they're at. Now, has it ever occurred to any one of you? And I'm going to ask this question myself, too. Has it ever occurred to you to begin each and every morning by saying, God, I want to receive every blessing that you have in store for me today? Ever crossed your mind to say that? You know, rather than get up in the morning and say, oh, good God, it's morning. <laughs> to get up and say, oh, my good God, it is morning. And today, Lord, I tell you, I want every blessing that you have in store for me today. Now, I got that. There are some people who think that's selfish. I mean, after all, why should we pray for blessings when there are so many desperate people out in this world who could use some of God's blessings? And I see that. I think they say that as if they think that God has only. So many blessings to go around, and if he gives us our share, somebody else is not going to get their share. Let me say it again. That's not the God I believe in. My God has more than enough blessings. I mean, put 46 jillion people on this planet, or what, if there's such a number. He's got enough blessings for those people, too. I mean, don't think that God is only going to give you some and that God can't give somebody else some. I mean, if the group of us who are here today, tomorrow morning we got up and we said, God, I want to receive every blessing that you have in store for me today. Guess what? Some people in Mineral Wells or Weatherford are not going to get shortchanged. The people in Cool are not going to be suddenly uncool. <laughs> Now, some people, you remember this book, The Prayer of Jabez? A very popular book. When Bruce Wilkinson uh, wrote The Prayer of Jabez, he received a lot of criticism for it. 
And the criticism, the most criticism that he received was over the first part of the prayer, which says, God, bless me indeed. God, bless me indeed. I mean, some people, I mean, wrote him and told him, Bruce, that's selfish. That's materialistic. That's egotistical. It's wrong. Now, I read the book and I thought, you know, it's scriptural. (laughs) That's what it says. The prayer of Jabez. God wants his people to be blessed. That's why he made every possible spiritual blessing available to his people through Jesus. Now, I can't say it any simpler than this, friends. God wants you to be blessed. But, you know, there are a lot of people who don't ask to be blessed because I think some people are just too stubborn. They got way too much pride. They're way too German. They're way too Lutheran or Presbyterian or whatever you want to put in there. They'd rather focus on themselves. They'd rather focus on their own efforts and all the good that they do for God rather than deal with the unmerited favor of a God that has lavished this on them. That's the word Paul used here. Did you catch it before? He lavished these gifts on us. See, you have all been approved to receive blessings in your life. What blessings? Well, let me ask you this. What blessing do you need? You all need a little victory in your life? It's there. You all need a little extra wisdom? You could all use that. What does James say? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And he gives it, and guess what? He gives it in abundance. You get more wisdom than you ask for. Well, that, some of you make you almost uncontrollable. You all need the gift of patience, the blessing of patience. I mean, any short fusers in here? You need it? Oh, yeah, I spot them. There's a blessing. How about the blessing of joy? Any of you need to jolly up a little bit more? Get rid of that kind of baptizing vinegar look. Or what about the blessing of hope? Don't we sing that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? Now, what about hope? Or what about the blessing of favor that God would that you could walk through life as if God had His hand of favor on you all the time? But I, you know, honestly, I don't care what blessing you would desire from God. Here's the good news. He's already signed off on each one of those. They are part of your inheritance. They're in your account. I mean, can you imagine if I came up to any one of you and said, oh, by the way, uh, we decided to put $50,000 in your checking account. It's yours. We like you. If you never went to the bank to see whether that was true, if you never tried to take any of that money out, you know what? You'd be an idiot. I'm sorry to put it that way, but you would be. Like, oh, I don't believe that. That's that's what God said. If you don't choose to draw on what he's already given you, I'm sorry. You're crazy. It's there. It's yours. God has pre-approved you. He He has actually approved you for adoption. You are irrevocably his. He has put every last single blessing from Jesus into your account, and they are yours to receive. But that's not where the pre-approval process ends, believe it or not. I mean, man, you could, you could end the sermon right there and say, that's pretty good stuff. 
But God has not only approved you for adoption and for a life of blessing. Guess what? He has also, you've also been approved to become good. Verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I've had somebody say, man, I, I can't imagine if I died and had to stand before God. I mean, God would look at me and say, boy, you were right when you said a poor, miserable sinner. And they said, wouldn't you feel the same way? And I've actually said, no, I wouldn't feel that way at all. I'd say, if I die and I'm suddenly standing in front of the presence of God, you know when God looks at me, you know what he sees? He sees Jesus. And he sees what Jesus has done, which has washed away everything I am. See, God makes it very clear in Scripture. Maybe that's a good point to make. There are a lot of people who get all kinds of opinions from all kinds of people. I don't know whether you're that kind of person. There's some people who come to church and hear what the pastor has to say about something. And then they kind of wonder, wonder whether he was right. I mean, he might be a little nuts too, for all we know. So they go back and they look in their Bible and they dig to see if they can find something to either contradict him or that will at least agree with what they like. And then if it still isn't good enough for them, they go back to their workplace or their schoolroom or whatever, and they talk to maybe their unchristian friends and their real Christian friends. And then, and then they turn on the television and they watch this preacher or that preacher or this person who offers advice all over television. We're going to find out what Dr. Phil thinks about it. You know, and, and then it's kind of like, okay, i got all these different, I'll, just, I'll take this one. No, God makes it very clear where? In his word. If there's one thing I can say about my life, I, the longer I do what I do, the less I'm interested in outside sources, outside of Scripture. This is enough. Got all the answers I need. It's a plan for his people that they become good, that they become like Jesus. After all, isn't that what we call ourselves Christians? More like Christ. In Romans 8.29, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined. And no, I'm not going to talk, talk about predestination here. But to be do what? To be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, this is the part that so many of us find intimidating, I think. We say, oh, man, I could never be holy. I mean, I'd barely be good. Uh, I could never be like Jesus. Uh, I mean, you don't know what I did in my past. I, I failed way too many times. I, I, I know what I really like, and I know that I don't qualify for goodness. Now, if God's strategy in building his people was the same as the credit card companies, then you might have a point. They offer to refinance your house even when you don't own one. They send you an offer for a low-interest credit card with the intention to decide later if you're really qualified and their promise of pre-approval actually means nothing. That's not what God does for his friends. He doesn't ask you to do what is beyond your potential to do. He does not ask you to do something that he doesn't give you the Holy Spirit to help out. He doesn't call you and then reject you in the same moment. I mean, the reason God chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight is because that is 
possible. So regardless of what you see, you've seen of yourself in the past. And, and guess what? Everybody here today has a past. We all got them. Regardless of what you may even see in yourself today. Like the young girl I talked about before who thought she was worthless and that God did not care and God could not forgive her. Even that person who saw that in themselves, guess what? God saw that person as the person that that person could become in him. God is not some sort of a guy up in heaven who dangles junk mail in front of you. Uh, to tell you later, ha, 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 fooled you, you don't measure up. Again, I'll say, that's not the God I believe in. Instead, this is what God is telling you. He said, this is who you can become, holy and blameless in his sight. This is your destiny. You just need to accept it. Now, friends, I, I want you to know today that God has pre-approved you for a wonderful, meaningful, purposeful life. And the pre-approval is complete. Uh, there's no asterisk. I, I mean, I've looked in my Bible enough. I don't find loopholes. I don't find asterisks at the end of a promise. There's no small print in the Bible. Uh, you've been pre-approved by God to live a great life in Him, and all you have to do is to receive that offer. Now, I'm not going to presuppose that all of us today here are believers. I've gone way past that. Now, some people, you know, sitting in church Sunday after Sunday, I've said this many, many times, but, but sitting in church Sunday after Sunday no more makes you a Christian than sitting in McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Stand in your garage all day, you will never become a Pontiac, or in our case, a Kia. It has to do with receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And honest to goodness, if you've never ever really thought about it, if you've never really done that, what does the Bible say? Today could be the first day of the rest of your life. I'm, he's inviting you to be his adopted son. Do you realize that he's saying you could actually kind of volunteer to be adopted? Over here, choose me. Well, he's already called you by the Holy Spirit. He's called you by his word. That's how it works. To be his adopted son or adopted daughter, to share in this full life. And I, I know, you know, it's, it's making a choice. And it's nothing that we do. I mean, I firmly believe, you know, what Luther taught about that we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or company, but he has called us by the gospel. He's enlightened us with his gifts. He has called us by the Holy Spirit. And if that's, that's you, yes is as good an answer as any. But the rest of you, if that is the rest of you, who've been believers for a long time. I mean, people ask me, like, how long have I been a believer? And it's like, God, so many years, I can't even remember anymore. I don't remember the time I was not a believer. But that doesn't mean that there haven't been times in my life when I've been disconnected from the promises of God. And I'd say the same thing about you. You may have been a believer your entire life, but there have been times... When you've been a little bit disconnected from those wonderful promises of God, you have not been as joyful or patient or kind or sweet or whatever all the time. Well, if that's been you, you can stop living as an orphan today. Today is the day to recognize exactly who you are. Approved by God. Adopted 
blessed and ready to be put to use in his kingdom. It's kind of like you got an envelope in your hand. But the envelope that God would put in your hand is the real deal. No tricks, no small print. All you need to do is receive it. May God bless it. In Jesus' name. Amen.